every side In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life In the darkness is the light Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Pat. Are we all sure that we're not possessed by any spirits? Tonight we are talking about Destiny. Originally it aired a little earlier on television in between fall and blues, but we're talking about it here later in the season because we go by the production order on this show, because we are true fans. <laughs> what is tonight's mystery of the week? Premonitions, right? Yeah. Prophecy, I would say, yeah. And then we have a little bit of a revisit for the monster of the week, and we get to see our familiar old friend, Brick Ryu. Yeah, we have a reoccurring adversary. Yeah, and I so this is a pretty significant episode in the myth arc of So Weird. Yeah, we learn a lot about... Rick and how he originally didn't die in a car accident. He was dead before the accident. Yes, he was taken before the accident happened. Um, and the whole episode is sort of built up to that revelation. Um, but the primary thing that this one is about is, well, the band are the, the Phillips band are on the way to a next show. They've been booked to be the opening act for a, boy band essentially called the Moffats, which we'll talk about in more detail later, I'm sure. <laughs> and along the way, they spot a blinding bright light on the middle of the road. Fee immediately recognizes this as the will of the wisp brick which she previously had an encounter with only this time brick doesn't possess Jack. He possesses Molly and brick has come to prevent fee from making contact with what was his name? Tom Martinez, Tom Martinez, a mechanic who has, significant information about her father's death and Brooke grew basically tricks fee into a letting, you know, making her agree to let the spirit stick around and proceeds to cause mischief. And eventually there's a big fire, but everybody's okay at the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and we see a little bit of Irene and Ned in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. It feels like we haven't seen them in a while. We haven't. And even in this episode, we don't see them much. Yeah. And uh, Ned gets to wreck the bus. So he had a big moment. Oh boy. And Irene and the boys play car games on the bus. Very big deal. Carrie has a new hairstyle in this episode. Where we see Carrie with the short hair combed down, not spiked up. Well, you know, the spiky hair was a very popular fashion trend at the time. But uh, yeah, you know, I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of attention to detail that I would expect us, you know, cat specifically to pick up on. And <laughs> Uh, now, something I do want to say about this episode is I think uh, Molly's or Mackenzie Phillips Irish accent is a little less silly than Patrick Levis's, just a little bit. It's still pretty Ooh, silly. Less silly. <laughs> yeah, that's I feel interesting. Like Patrick's was spot on, and it feels like Mackenzie is trying her best, but like she slips. Oh, she's and she's not as good with it as Patrick was. She definitely slips, but I feel I don't know. It sounds less put on for me, I guess. I don't know. Um, I would not, disagree. Yeah, I disagree also. <laughs> I'm in the corner supposed, here. You're, you're beating yeah, up on me. <laughs> it's supposed to be Scottish for one thing. So if it sounds Irish to you, that's a problem right there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Whatever. I mean, there's just a C dividing them, right? No, no big difference. There. <laughs> no. no, I think she, she lays it on pretty thick. And uh, with... 
Patrick Levis's, his kind of like goes in and out from Scottish to American, which is interesting. It was an interesting, yeah. I, I think we talked about it back in the episode, but it kind of made it seem like he was, it, it kind of added to Brie Crew's character that he was kind of phony. And in this one, she's just like using a really thick accent, which also makes him look phony too, I guess. Maybe I just prefer watching Mackenzie be silly or Patrick because she really does get a lot of opportunity to just <laughs> ham it up and act like a goofball in this episode. And it's very entertaining. Yeah. I don't know if it really meshes with what's overall a fairly serious story, but it's very entertaining. Yeah, I do love Brickeryu as such a comedic villain. Well, he has a good time doing what he does. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, goofy visual humor in this episode where one moment um, Molly is cradling Fiona and she has a pacifier in her mouth. Mm -hmm. Or there's the scene where Fee looks out the window. This is after Brickrew has binded her to stay in her room using a Celtic rune. And mm -hmm. um, she uses a rune to keep her in her room. And Fee opens the window and Molly is outside with a stop sign and a hard hat on. It's all very, very <laughs> silly. <laughs> That's the real definition of being grounded. <laughs> um, though it does lead to that delightful song and dance sequence. Yeah. General thoughts <laughs> on that? <laughs> I love Brukryu's take on In the Darkness. I actually do think the lyrics are maybe a little better. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. Although early on, or I mean when I was younger, I did find a review in this episode that talked about how is it that nobody thought Molly was abusing alcohol in the scene? Oh, God. <laughs> and, like, knowing what we know the background information and the theory that In the Darkness was really about, like, her fight with alcoholism after Rick's death, like, you do have to wonder how nobody came to that conclusion and wondered about her. Well, maybe if Chrysalis had made it to air, that would have been a more of a pressing thing, but... um. You know, she's a rock star. She imbibes from time to time. <laughs> yeah, and it is very entertaining just watching her dance on stage and act very, very silly. Um, and like I said, I don't know if the kind of really goofy, broad comic relief is good for what's a pretty serious episode, all things considered. And it's not the only example of very light comic relief in this episode. There's a scene where the Moffats are being mobbed by their teenage fangirls and Fiona does a, they went that away with them and it totally works. Um, yeah. And what do we think of the, uh, the guest appearance from uh, that, that iconic singular late nineties band. I'm sure we all know all their hits, the Moffats. <laughs> <laughs> their hits. If it wasn't for so weird, I wouldn't know. <laughs> they were like only on Disney channel. I mean, I don't know what kind of deal they struck with Disney, but I never saw them anywhere else except on Disney Channel. Well, you know, I, I have to say when I rewatched this episode a couple years ago for the first time, uh, the song, the song they play in this episode, Misery, which was their only hit, uh, did sound vaguely familiar. So it is possible I might have heard them somewhere else. But um, I think that they were one of the bands that were trying to cash in on the success of Hanson because they were around the same time. And they're these, let's, be very honest, they're these very pretty boys who play their own instruments and they're kind of a light sort of pop rock sound. Uh, Radish was another band around the same time who was doing the same thing and were, are equally forgotten. <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of wonder, is this sort of a precursor of season three? Was Disney, the Disney executive saying, the music on the show skews too old. We need to get something a little more poppy, a little more bubblegum on here. 
I wonder. I don't know. They had that other band play the off-female one. It was Shadaisy. Yeah, them. Shadaisy. I mixed those two up. Yeah, and Shadaisy actually had uh, a couple of hits. They weren't quite as forgotten. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know. I think it's just how Disney Channel would have random music guests. Like, I specifically remember Aaron Carter in a Lizzie McGuire episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lizzie had a crush on Aaron, right? I, I seem to vaguely remember this. <laughs> yeah. Something. They kissed so, under the mistletoe. Oh, they kissed. Oh, I didn't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, but no, I hate I hate that they're in this episode. I feel like they ruin it. Mm-hmm. They make the episode bad. Yeah, I I agree. It's like there's a whole tonal shift from scene to scene. Like yeah. with the Moffats, it's all goofy and, you know... And then with Brie Crew, it's a little silly, too. And then you get, oh, God, Rick Rick was pulled from his body? You know, like, really? Before yeah, Tom like, is very serious and has this very scary phobia or pyrophobic. Yeah. Pyrophobia, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have minded their appearance if it had been in a more lighthearted episode. I agree with you that the tone of this episode is all over the place, but uh, I still like it a lot. I actually think it's a pretty good episode despite having this really weird seesawing tone. I feel like that tonal shift, like from an adult perspective, I see where you guys are coming from and that it, the comic relief doesn't really mesh with the dark nature of the episode. But as a child, I think it's kind of needed to keep so weird a lighthearted kids show. And it, like when it kind of reminds me of the first parts of the Caribbean movie where I would get nightmares thinking about the dark, scary pirates who wanted Elizabeth to eat dinner with them naked. And then as soon as Jack Sparrow came on the screen, I was like, oh, it's funny. This guy's funny. I'm okay now. I'm not going to get nightmares now. I feel like what's so weird, it's the same type of thing in this episode where you need that comic relief in order to keep the episode from veering from, ooh, this is dark, to, oh my god, this is scary. Well, well, maybe, but So Weird had done episodes before this that were much darker and didn't have that that comic relief. I mean, Banshee is a pretty somber episode all throughout. Um, Rebecca's not a scary episode, but it's just a very downbeat kind of sad episode, and it doesn't have too much in the way of uh, shenanigans. Or we can think of the Willow the Wisp episode. Uh, well, that's probably a better comparison. I mean, how does how do I mean? I know you guys really like Will of the Wisp a lot. How does you how do you think Destiny matches up to that one? I think Will of the Wisp is so high up there. And Destiny is not at all. To really, me. you don't like this one that much. No, I I like the last what ten minutes or so when um it's Fee, Molly slash Brickrew and Tom like there to the end. I really like it. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know, I've always said that I, I really didn't like uh, Mackenzie Phillips's uh, portrayal of Brie Crew, and I just don't think that's fair. I feel like I was uh, pretty familiar with, uh, you know, Jack, uh, <laughs> Patrick Levis's Brie Crew by the time this episode aired, so I just kind of, like, had his on a pedestal and never gave her a chance. I mean, I kind of do like it, but... Yeah, it's just not the same. So I think that's the issue. You're having a Sean Connery versus Roger Moore debate here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally serious. (laughs) What about you, Kat? What do you think? I think this one was a really good follow-up to it. And I think, again, the first episode where we met Brickrew, it was a very lighthearted episode, and it was funny. And we kept seeing Brickrew jump 
from scene after scene, dressing up with waving the American flag, to having Fiona as like a psychiatrist with him in a straitjacket. And by having those elements of comedic effects, it's keeping in with what we already know about Brick Crew. I feel like if this whole episode took on that dark, somber tone that it does at the end, then it would mesh weirdly with what we know about Brick Crew already. Well, and this one doesn't have quite as much shtick in it, I don't think, because um, it's a little more busy as the plot goes. It's, you know, Will the Wisp was really just about Fiona and Jack slash Brick Rue. This one has a few more moving parts as far as the plot goes. And I do wish we had a little more stuff with uh, Fiona and Molly slash Brick Rue in this one. There's not quite as much interaction as there was in Will the Wisp. That's true. At the end, I really love the reveal, though, where we get more of a sense of who Brick Rue is, though, where we find out, oh, much like pulling your your father's body, pulling your father's soul before his body, before his time, where we find out that Brick Rue himself was the one who did it. And the fact that he finds humor in, I came and did the very thing I came to prevent. Life's just a series of merry little mix-ups. And his line about conquer and subjugate, conquer and subjugate, and that they're so boring. I like that he's a villain who kind of dances on it and makes one of his bosses behind their back. Yeah, I like that too. In uh, D&D circles, he would probably be closer to chaotic neutral than straight up chaotic evil. And I kind of like that about that character. Mm-hmm. Yes. Since uh, he is kind of making fun of his bosses behind their backs, do you think at the end when he told Fee that, um, you know, they pulled Rick from his body before his time, he kind of wanted to give her a hint about that to get back at his bosses for some reason? You know, it's odd. There is almost something of an affection between Fiona and Rick. I feel like he doesn't, this isn't a typical hero adversary relationship where they hate each other so much. I think Brick Rue is kind of fond of Fiona in a weird way. So he says a line. I think he says like, I, I was growing fond of you or I was fond of you. Yeah. He doesn't want to hurt her. I don't think, but it's sort of his job to prevent her from finding out the, I don't know the depth of her father's involvement with the supernatural. Yeah, so I like all that stuff. I think the last act of the episode is pretty strong. The whole fire sequence works fairly well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that um, Fee is saying how, like, you do, not that you do have a destiny, but that you can change it because Tom is so, he, he just believes that he's going to die in a fire because he's previously was a firefighter. And when he pulled Rick from the car, that's when he got a vision that he saw his own death in the fire. And yeah. Um, he comes to talk to Fee, and he's like, what are you, an angel of death? Um, I don't know. I like him. I wish we got more of him. Yeah, I like the character, and it's a good performance. That actor is August uh, Schellenberg, who um, was in a couple of things. You might recognize him from the Free Willy franchise. He was in a few of those. And I most recognized him from the fourth Tremors movie, where he played the Indian. Um, <laughs> uh and uh, that actor, by the way, passed away in 2013, so he's no longer with us. But uh, he's very good in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I do like sort of the beats of that last act where he douses himself and Fiona in water and you know, before going through the flames. That's That stuff works pretty well. I feel like the whole last act of this one is pretty solid, though I would agree that the rest of the episode is not quite as tight. I like mm-hmm. the last act, but then you have the that song playing... Yes, like like a montage or something. <laughs> Just, oh my god! 
it's supposed work. to be a really touching moment, and then they're playing Misery in the background. By <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by the way, early OOs cheesiness. Oh, the OOs is that what we're calling it now? That's what I hmm. call it. It's better than the naughties, which is yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, well, you know, it's true. Hey, Kat, are there, is there anybody out there who ships Fiona and Brickrew? Actually, now that you mention it, <laughs> before I lost my old laptop, I was working on a vid to So What about Fiona and Brickrew, as specifically Brickrew as Molly in this episode. Wait, didn't you put that in a fan vid? I think you did. No, I did it with Fee and Brickrew in an earlier fan vid. It wasn't specifically, <laughs> specifically Molly Brickrew. Okay, so oh. how's that supposed to work? <laughs> Molly, um, I believe the song that I used, the first that I did with them, was based on the line from Death Cab for Cutie, I will possess your heart. That tells you all you need to know. Oh, no, yeah, that's a good song. But, <laughs> but he's in her mom's body. And he possesses her heart. Yeah, this is just for fun, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I think don't anyone did. I think it's just like, oh, that's a good song for some pairing. Yeah, just for the lulls. For the lulls, the only reason anybody does anything. <laughs> Any other uh, collected thoughts about this one? I, I guess I didn't have too much to say about this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I always like that scene where Bricru does he does that rune of constraint on the door. Mm-hmm. It looks like blood. Um, but yeah. he was saying, or she, he, she was saying that it's, um, called, was it Noth, Nothis? So I, I, I looked it up, Rune of Constraint. It's, um, some website, it says, Nuthis represents the need fire. Mm. And in every way related to necessity, constraint, and the inavailability of human suffering. Oh, it says, like, the, the symbol... It could mean it's symbolic. It seems that Nuthis refers to two sticks rubbing together to create fire. So it relates to fire and the theme of fire in this episode, which is neat. That's really cool. I'm very impressed. The writers just didn't make something up. Yeah. Yeah. And this episode, by the way, was written by um, Kevin Murphy and Josh Stolberg, who um, mm-hmm. would also write Shelter, and Kevin Murphy by himself wrote uh, Will the Wisp, so that works out. Uh, though I have to say that it's not the Kevin Murphy from Mystery Science Theater. It's a different Kevin Murphy. Um, <laughs> Josh Stolberg also wrote Twin. Yes, and this episode was also directed by the same person who directed Twin, uh, Patrick Williams, who made a bunch of episodes, Strangeling, Singularity Lost, Vampire, Transplant, Twin, and then a couple of season three episodes as well. So we have a familiar So Weird staff for this one. And didn't Stolberg also more recently work on the Jigsaw movie? Uh, Well, let me consult with the Oracle of the Internet Movie Database on that one, Kat. I think he was talking to, was it John Cooksey or someone about So Weird recently on Twitter? Okay, so I'm looking, this is for a Josh, yeah, okay, Josh Stolberg, yeah, he wrote Jigsaw, he wrote um, Piranha 3D, he wrote the Sorority Row remake, he's done a couple of uh, relatively recent horror films. That's pretty cool. Also wrote two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender and Sabrina the Animated Series. He wrote for that as well. So, And he wrote the Dane Cook movie Good Luck Chuck for anybody unfortunate enough to have sat for that motion picture. So, 
I really like Piranha 3D. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, uh, anybody else got any thoughts on this one? One of my favorite parts of this episode is right after the bus crash, where Fiona recognizes that the bright light was Brick Rue. She goes like, oh no, what if it's after Jack? I've got to stop it. And she immediately like pins Jack against the bus and tries to like guard him. And Jack's just like, what are you doing? And she keeps bugging him all night. Like, are you sure you don't feel like getting up and doing a jig or something? Like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. And she goes, right, all right. I guess I was wrong. It's such a cute moment between the two of them. Yes. That is a very cute moment. And, you know, we have to, we have to realize that Jack has no memory of what had happened the last time. So he really is very confused. Mm -hmm. Um, And something else I I do want to mention is uh, Molly's actually not supposed to be playing at this gig. They, it was apparently meant to be for some young female pop singer named Mill Phillips, right? Oh, Millie Phipps. Millie Phipps. <laughs> Millie Phipps. And Molly just snuck in there. So I'm thinking like, wow, the, the Millie Phipps fans in the audience must be really upset. <laughs> like the ticket promoters are going to be getting a lawsuit, I think. Um, <laughs> we don't even really see Molly perform. Maybe the, just the Moffats just stayed on. And while Molly just danced. Yeah, because we only see the audition or the uh, practice. We don't see her yeah. sing before a crowd. I don't know. Oh, no, she did perform because I think they said, uh, Jack says they weren't prepared for 10 minutes of limericks. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, boy. So <laughs> uh, um, the Millie Phipps listeners were really pissed, I guess. Is the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank God this was before cell phones. Uh, Molly Phillips goes crazy would be all over YouTube. It'd have 10 million hits by the next morning. And <laughs> I would give anything though, if they had actually shot and recorded that and it could be on a blooper reel somewhere. Cause I would love to see it. The blooper reel for that DVD collection of the series. That's totally going to come out someday. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like a hundred years. Yes. The and heat DVDs death of the awesome. universe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple of thoughts. So first off, uh, Brie Crew. Okay, so he, I'm, I'm a little confused about what his plan was going into this. He was going to stop the bus and keep them from going to see Tom because he knew Tom was in that town. Is that correct? Yeah. And, but by stopping the bus, he somehow didn't know that Tom was a mechanic. Is that correct? <laughs> and so they end up at his shop. I just, I don't know. To me, it's the thing that, I like Brie Crew as a one episode character, but bringing him back, it makes you think more about the development of his character. And like, I'm just wondering what kind of knowledge does he have? Really? He knows that Tom lives in this town, but he doesn't know he's a mechanic. Oh, maybe that was his plan all along. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he's the whole time he possesses Molly because he doesn't want Fee and Tom to talk. But then at the end he says, I caused the very thing I came to prevent. Yeah. He sucks at his job. <laughs> you know, unless he, he wanted to do that, it's, I don't know, his, his paranormal Yelp reviews are going to be very, very negative. His employers <laughs> will not be pleased with him. Well, maybe yeah. that's the point. Maybe I don't know because in the so weird FAQ, uh, John Cooksey actually did say that um, there were plans for Brie Crew to turn against his his bosses in season three. So maybe this was kind of a warm up for that. I don't know. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and then just another point I want to make is I, I really like the uh, opening what monologue. Oh, yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard about this Abraham Lincoln premonition before I rewatched the show. Um, I mean, I've, I just didn't remember seeing it, obviously, when I first watched the show. But I thought it was pretty interesting. But in the monologue, it says that he wrote about it in his diary. But that's not true from what I've read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, his bodyguard said that he told everyone that he had this dream about, um, you know, seeing himself or seeing someone tell him that the president had been assassinated, but it wasn't something he wrote in his diary. Well, you know, it's a pretty well-known story about uh, Lincoln supposedly predicting his own death, but at, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's hard to know what's fact and what's legend by this point. Yeah. Um, although I do enjoy that stock footage at the beginning of the episode. I wonder what History Channel documentary they curbed that from. Mm-hmm. Originally, my mom wanted me to watch Disney Channel because she wanted me to see some good, wholesome, educational television. <laughs> and then I fell in love with So Weird, and she changed her mind about that. <laughs> I forget what it was, but like I was trying to convince my parents that So Weird was educational, and I gave them this fact about Abraham Lincoln predicted his own death. He had the stream, and my dad was just like, where did you hear that? That's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, So Weird, for filling my head with fake knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you learn so much about Celtic mythology and Bigfoot on this show, Kat. It really <laughs> is educational. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did I did want to mention, I'm glad you reminded me of that, because I did uh, enjoy that little opening narration for this episode. Yeah, well, I guess I feel like I like this one a little bit more than everybody else here did. I kind of... I think this episode's all right. I mean, I acknowledge that it has some pretty big tonal issues, but it all together works for me for some reason. I don't know. I, I guess I just really enjoy watching Mackenzie Phillips act like a goofball. <laughs> are we ready to launch into ratings then? Yeah, or are we? Anybody got anything else to say? Mm-mm. Okay, well, when I first um, reviewed this back in like 2012, I gave this a, a 6 out of 10, and I'm actually going to bump it up to a 7. I, I think I liked it a little bit more on, a, I guess this would be my third viewing. I would rate it a 6 out of 10. If you just took out the Moffats, <laughs> I think it would be good. We're coming down hard. We have a anti-Moffat <laughs> sentiment on the <this> show. <laughs> yeah. I would give it like an 8, 8.5. Like this is a solid B plus episode to me. I think it's hilarious. I love the story arc going on with B finding out more details about her father's death. I love Carrie's new hairstyle. They should have done that more often. That takes it up a whole letter grade for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that really took away from it for me was the fact that it was a different Brickroo than the first Brickroo we met. As we talked, just the accent didn't do it for me. So that's why I can't give it a 9 or 10, just the accent. So what but you're saying is you would have enjoyed this episode a lot if Jack had uh, been possessed again. I'm not sure if Jack had been possessed again, but if the accent could have been better or okay. like more consistent. But it's just yeah. a Patrick's accent that hers beat by a mile. Okay, Emily? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to give this one thumbs up and one thumbs down. <laughs> I know my, my rating system is total bullshit guys. I'm I like sorry. it though. 
<laughs> it always makes sense in my mind. When <laughs> I mean, I do like what this episode does for the overall plot arc, although obviously that was abandoned. So that's kind of a downer in and of itself. But yeah, I like the scene with Fee and Tom at the end where he's talking about the specifics about what he noticed about Rick when he died and all that. But I agree that this spree crew doesn't feel exactly the same. I think I've kind of developed more of an appreciation for Mackenzie's portrayal in this episode, but it's still not quite uh, the same, I guess. And also the Moffats, as Kathy said, just they bring this episode down. (laughs) And I even like the song kind of, it just doesn't belong here. Yeah, it's not a bad song. I mean, it's a totally cromulent one-hit wonder 90s pop song. Oh, and by the way, I looked it up. Uh, the Moffats are on tour right now. They are on their what? farewell tour throughout Asia because I guess they're popular in Asia. Um, so if we have any any listeners in Asia, you may have a chance to hear the Moffats on their farewell tour right now as we record this. <laughs> wow. Somebody should call okay. Mackenzie Phillips and ask her to dance on stage with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did we mention that that Brick Rue is a fan of this music? He he goes out there, he in Molly's body goes out and dances <laughs> on stage. Okay, we have anything else we want to talk about this week? Oh, about the episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you like watch it in production order, I like that the next episode is Encore. Because in this episode, you know, Fee just learns that Rick died before before the accident. He got pulled out of his body. And so directly after his encore, where Fee is, like, very insistent about figuring out more about Rick's death. It also makes more sense than why Molly suddenly wants to end the tour. Because she just woke up from a freaking fire. Of course, she <laughs> yeah. safe and wants to go home. Yeah. Yeah, well, and she has uh, no idea what even happened because she wakes up and she still thinks they're back on the road the night before. So she's very confused. I do love uh, Mm -hmm. Brickroo's little line about how, why is this body producing water when they're sweating in the fire? Yeah, that's actually a callback to Will of the Wisp because he kind of said the same thing because uh, he was sweating from nerves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so Brickroo should really know what's up with sweat by this point. Like, he's (laughs) way behind. (laughs) <laughs> you know, for an immortal fey fairy entity thingy, he's he's way behind. You know, <laughs> I, I really am very disappointed with his uh, overhead here. Well, he doesn't exactly strike me as a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have any feedback or anything else we want to discuss this week? Uh, feedback time? Yeah, we got a few comments. I maintain we need a, a music break for we need like a, a theme that leads us into the feedback corner. <laughs> <laughs> It could be Star Dot Star. Yes, that'd be perfect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, so on YouTube from Wisdom, they said in the original season three, some of her songs, which is Molly, uh, were meant to be prophecies. Dream could be a connection to that. So we were talking about Roswell and how she was dreaming of that alien's hand and Rick. Okay, well, I, um, Which, yeah, I, I think we talked about Molly has these visions, prophecies. Yeah, I believe we did bring that up, but um, good catch, nevertheless. Thank you. Yeah, and they also said 
Uh, I'd also like to know if you know about Spooksville. I can't remember if I already asked that. I'm a huge fan, and I'll try to keep up from now on. I'll praise King Mickey. <laughs> Is that in reference to uh, Disney's encroaching takeover of the universe? Um, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, I saw this comment. I'd never heard of Spooksville. I, I looked it up. It sounds kind of superficially similar to So Where. They're both kind of kid shows about ghost and paranormal things and such and such. I've never heard of it, though. Yeah, I haven't heard of it at all, but I think it's actually based in Canada, so... It says first episode was in 2013. Okay. And last episode was in May 2014. So this is... Oh, this was on The Hub. That's right. Okay. I'm... Yeah. I I looked it up a little bit. I'd not heard of it before this person referenced it. Me neither. Well, something to look into. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Wisdom. And from Asian City, they said, Glad y'all touched upon the portrayal of mental illness in this app. As a kid, I did find Andrew overtly childish, but I couldn't put two and two together that it was problematic until recently. But I guess they tried. In general, this was my favorite of the Alien arc. I just wish this was one of the rare times Jack wasn't such a stickler for skepticism. Maybe if Molly's dream had been a convergent dream with the other characters like in Nightmare, it would have been a nice break from him being skeptical. Also, it would have made for an interesting parallel between Fee and Jack and Andrew and his sister with one seemingly out there sibling and their older protective and skeptical sibling. Yeah. It's always nice to see Jack kind of loosen up a little bit. Well, as I've said many times before, his, uh, you know, skepticism borders on the arbitrary after a while. Molly's too. But thank you for the feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Okay. Well, keep that uh, mail coming. We all really appreciate hearing from you. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate that you're enjoying the show. So thank you as always. Thank you. Any other news we would like to discuss this week? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh God, what happened? <laughs> John Wiseman. Do y'all remember this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to pull up his tweet. Hold on. Did, did the somebody who worked on the show tweet at us? No. Okay. But <laughs> he tweeted about the show. So John Wiseman tweeted out, Met world's greatest living so weird fan at Miss J. Willie, that's Jessica Williams, in person tonight. Spent so much time talking about Fiona and her crew that I never told her how excited I am about her Showtime project. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> that is really cool. And further, you know, if if you are listening, Jessica Williams, please, please come on our show. <laughs> come on the right. podcast and defend yourself. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it was John Kixie or John Wiseman that said, like, I didn't know that uh, Jessica Williams was a big So Weird fan. And then we were talking about, did they find that out because we mentioned it in the podcast? And then Uh, Wiseman was, like, excited and wanted to meet her, I think, and talk about the show. Yeah. And then it happened. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to know what they talked about and what she had to say about Fee. Uh, she's fabulous. <laughs> it is neat that there's not only somebody out there who really remembers the show and is still a big fan of it, but also somebody who is, you know, well-known in their own right. So that's pretty cool. I love that the people who were involved in the show still clearly care about it. Yeah. 
nice to see that. Yeah, and you know we we've encountered this many times over the course of this podcast and and other things that the people who worked on the show a lot of them are still very much attached to it. Like I think a lot of people realize this was kind of a special show in a lot of ways. I use the word a lot in that sentence a lot. <laughs> That actually ties into something else I wanted to say, which is that uh, by this time, by the time this episode is posted, we'll be either a few days away from or after the 19th anniversary of Family Reunion airing. Oh, oh goodness, my lord! Yeah, 19 years. Was all grown up. <laughs> it's almost old enough to drink. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. so weird can now vote and uh, go and die for its country. Um, wow, that <laughs> makes me feel really, really old. <laughs> the the Phantom is going to have to do something special for the 20th anniversary, even if Disney doesn't. I don't know what that would entail, but let's all start planning <laughs> a year out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the fandom. You mean us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and all yeah. the fans that we can muster will raise an army. <laughs> the so weird army. <laughs> Brick Reuse Army. Fiona's Infantry. <laughs> Jack's Angels. <laughs> uh, okay, so is that wrapping it up for this week? Yeah, I think so. I have prophesied that the episode is going to end right about now. Uh, you have been listening to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And you will hear from us again very soon. Keep the faith.